Section 9 of The Story of My Life, Part 2, Letters, by Helen Keller and John Albert Macy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section 9, Letters 64 through 73. Letter 64 to Mrs. Kate Adams Keller, New York, March 31, 1895. Teacher and I spent the afternoon at Mr. Hutton's and had a most delightful time. We met Mr. Clemens and Mr. Howells there. I had known about them for a long time, but I had never thought that I should see them and talk to them, and I can scarcely realize now that this great pleasure has been mine. But much as I wonder that I, only a little girl of fourteen, should come in contact with so many distinguished people, I do realize that I am a very happy child, and very grateful for the many beautiful privileges I have enjoyed." The two distinguished authors were very gentle and kind, and I could not tell which of them I loved best. Mr. Clemens told us many entertaining stories, and made us laugh till we cried. I only wish you could have seen and heard him. He told us that he would go to Europe in a few days to bring his wife and his daughter, Jean, back to America, because Jean, who is studying in Paris, has learned so much in three years and a half that if he did not bring her home, she would soon know more than he did. I think Mark Twain is a very appropriate nom de plume for Mr. Clemens, because it has a funny and quaint sound, and goes well with his amusing writings, and its nautical significance suggests the deep and beautiful things that he has written. I think he is very handsome indeed. Teacher said she thought he looked something like Paradusky, if that is the way to spell the name. Mr. Howells told me a little about Venice, which is one of his favorite cities, and spoke very tenderly of his dear little girl, Winifred, who is now with God. He has another daughter named Mildred, who knows Carrie. I might have seen Mrs. Wiggin, the sweet author of Bird's Christmas Carol, but she had a dangerous cough and could not come. I was much disappointed not to see her, but I hope I shall have that pleasure some other time. Mr. Hutton gave me a lovely little glass, shaped like a thistle, which belonged to his dear mother, as a souvenir of my delightful visit. We also met Mr. Rogers, who kindly left his carriage to bring us home. When the wright Humison school closed for the summer, Miss Sullivan and Helen went south. Letter 65 To Mrs. Lawrence Hutton Tuscumbia, Alabama, July ninth, 1895. I am spending my vacation very quietly and pleasantly at my beautiful sunny home with my loving parents, my darling little sister, and my small brother, Phillips. My precious teacher is with me, too, and so, of course, I am happy. I read a little, walk a little, write a little, and play with the children a great deal, and the day slip by delightfully. My friends are so pleased with the improvement which I made in speech and lip-reading last year that it has been decided best for me to continue my studies in New York another year. 
I am delighted at the prospect of spending another year in your great city. I used to think I should never feel at home in New York, but since I have made the acquaintance of so many people, I can look back to such a bright and successful winter there, I find myself looking forward to next year, and anticipating still brighter and better times in the metropolis. Please give my kindest love to Mr. Hutton and Mrs. Riggs and Mr. Warner, too, although I have never had the pleasure of knowing him personally. As I listen Venice words, I hear Mr. Hutton's pen dancing over the pages of his new book. It is a pleasant sound because it is full of promise. How much I shall enjoy reading it. Please pardon me, my dear Mrs. Hutton, for sending you a typewritten letter across the ocean. I have tried several times to write with a pencil on my little writing machine since I came home, but I have found it very difficult to do so on account of the heat. The moisture of my hands soils and blurs the paper so dreadfully that I am compelled to use my typewriter altogether. And it is not my Remington either, but a naughty little thing that gets out of order on the slightest provocation and cannot be induced to make a period. Letter 66 to Mrs. William Thaw New York, October 16, 1895. Here we are once more in the great metropolis. We left Halton Friday night and arrived here Saturday morning. Our friends were greatly surprised to see us, as they had not expected us before the last of this month. I rested Saturday afternoon, for I was very tired, and Sunday I visited with my schoolmates, and now that I feel quite rested, I am going to write to you, for I know you will want to hear that we reached New York safely. We had to change cars at Philadelphia, but we did not mind it much. After we had had our breakfast, teacher asked one of the trainmen in the station if the New York train was made up. He said no, it would not be called for about fifteen minutes, so we sat down to wait. But in a moment the man came back and asked teacher if we would like to go to the train at once. She said we would, and he took us way out on the track and put us on board our train. Thus we avoided the rush and had a nice quiet visit before the train started. Was that not very kind? So it always is. Someone is ever ready to scatter little acts of kindness along our pathway, making it smooth and pleasant. We had a quiet but very pleasant time in Halton. Mr. Wade is just as dear and good as ever. He has lately had several books printed in England for me, Old Mortality, The Castle of Otranto, and King of Noland. Letter 67 to Miss Caroline Derby New York, December ninth, 1895. Teacher and I have been very gay of late. We have seen our kind friends, Mrs. Dodge, Mr. and Mrs. Hutton, Mrs. Riggs and her husband, and met many distinguished people, among whom were Miss Ellen Terry, Sir Henry Irving, and Mr. Stockton. Weren't we very fortunate? Miss Terry was lovely. She kissed teacher and said, I do not know whether I am glad to see you or not, for I feel so ashamed of myself when I think of how much you have done for the little girl. We also met Mr. and Mrs. Terry, Miss Terry's brother and his wife. 
I thought her beauty angelic, and oh, what a clear, beautiful voice she had. We saw Miss Terry again with Sir Henry and King Charles I a week ago last Friday, and after the play they kindly let me feel of them and get an idea of how they looked. How noble and kingly the king was, especially in his misfortunes, and how pretty and faithful the poor queen was. The play seemed so real we almost forgot where we were and believed we were watching the genuine scenes as they were acted so long ago. The last act affected us most deeply, and we all wept, wondering how the executioner could have the heart to tear the king from his loving wife's arms. I have just finished reading Ivanhoe. It was very exciting, but I must say I did not enjoy it very much. Sweet Rebecca, with her strong, brave spirit and her pure, generous nature, was the only character which thoroughly won my admiration. Now I am reading stories from Scottish history, and they are very thrilling and absorbing. The next two letters were written just after the death of Mr. John P. Spaulding. Letter 68 to Mrs. George H. Bradford, New York, February 4, 1896. What can I say which shall make you understand how much teacher and I appreciate your thoughtful kindness in sending us those little souvenirs of the dear room where we first met the best and kindest of friends? Indeed, you can never know all the comfort you have given us. We have put the dear picture on the mantelpiece in our room where we can see it every day, and I often go and touch it, and somehow I cannot help feeling that our beloved friend is very near to me. It was very hard to take up our schoolwork again as if nothing had happened, but I am sure it is well that we have duties which must be done and which take our minds away for a time at least from our sorrow. Letter 69 to Miss Caroline Derby, New York, March 2, 1896. We miss dear King John sadly. It was so hard to lose him. He was the best and kindest of friends, and I do not know what we shall do without him. We went to a poultry show, and the man there kindly permitted us to feel of the birds. They were so tame they stood perfectly still when I handled them. I saw great big turkeys, geese, guineas, ducks, and many others. Almost two weeks ago we called at Mr. Hutton's and had a delightful time. We always do. We met Mr. Warner, the writer, Mr. Maybe, the editor of The Outlook, and other pleasant people. I am sure you would like to know Mr. and Mrs. Hutton. They are so kind and interesting. I can never tell you how much pleasure they have given us. Mr. Warner and Mr. Burroughs, the great lover of nature, came to see us a few days after, and we had a delightful talk with them. They were both very, very dear. Mr. Burroughs told me about his home near the Hudson and what a happy place it must be. I hope we shall visit it some day. Teacher has read me his lively stories about his boyhood, and I enjoyed them greatly. Have you read the beautiful poem, Waiting? I know it, and it makes me feel so happy. It has such sweet thoughts. 
Mr. Warner showed me a scarfpin with a beetle on it, which was made in Egypt fifteen hundred years before Christ, and told me that the beetle meant immortality to the Egyptians, because it wrapped itself up and went to sleep and came out again in a new form, thus renewing itself. Letter 70 to Miss Caroline Derby, New York, April 25, 1896. My studies are the same as they were when I saw you, except that I have taken up French with a French teacher who comes three times a week. I read her lips almost exclusively. She does not know the manual alphabet, and we get on quite well. I have read Le Médecin Malgré Louis, a very good French comedy by Molière, with pleasure. And they say I speak French pretty well now, and German also. Anyway, French and German people understand what I am trying to say, and that is very encouraging. In voice training, I have still the same old difficulties to contend against, and the fulfillment of my wish to speak well seems oh so far away. Sometimes I feel sure that I catch a faint glimpse of the goal I am striving for, but in another minute a bend in the road hides it from my view, and I am again left wandering in the dark but I try hard not to be discouraged. Surely we shall all find at last the ideals we are seeking. Letter 71 to Mr. John Hitz, Brewster, Massachusetts, July 15, 1896. As to the book, I am sure I shall enjoy it very much when I am admitted, by the magic of teacher's dear fingers, into the companionship of the two sisters who went to the immortal fountain. As I sit by the window writing to you, it is so lovely to have the soft, cool breezes fan my cheek, and to feel that the hard work of last year is over. Teacher seems to feel benefited by the change, too, for she is already beginning to look like her dear old self. We only need you, dear Mr. Hitz, to complete our happiness. Teacher and Mrs. Hopkins both say you must come as soon as you can. We will try to make you comfortable. Teacher and I spent nine days at Philadelphia. Have you ever been at Dr. Crowder's institution? Mr. Howes has probably given you a full account of our doings. We were busy all the time. We attended the meetings and talked with hundreds of people, among whom were dear Dr. Bell, Mr. Banerjee of Calcutta, Monsieur Magna of Paris, with whom I conversed in French exclusively, and many other distinguished persons. We had looked forward to seeing you there, and so we were greatly disappointed that you did not come. We think of you so, so often, and our hearts go out to you in tenderest sympathy. And you know better than this poor letter can tell you how happy we always are to have you with us. I made a speech on July 8th, telling the members of the association what an unspeakable blessing speech has been to me, and urging them to give every little deaf child an opportunity to learn to speak. Everyone said I spoke very well and intelligibly. After my little speech, we attended a reception at which over 600 people were present. I must confess I do not like such large receptions. The people crowd so, and we have to do so much talking. And yet it is at receptions like the one in Philadelphia that we often meet friends whom we learn to love afterwards. 
We left the city last Thursday night and arrived in Brewster Friday afternoon. We missed the Cape Cod train Friday morning, and so we came down to Provincetown in the steamer Longfellow. I am glad we did so, for it was lovely and cool on the water, and Boston Harbor is always interesting. We spent about three weeks in Boston, after leaving New York, and I need not tell you we had a most delightful time. We visited our good friends, Mr. and Mrs. Chamberlain, at Rentham, out in the country where they have a lovely home. Their house stands near a charming lake where we went boating and canoeing, which was great fun. We also went in bathing several times. Mr. and Mrs. Chamberlain celebrated the 17th of June by giving a picnic to their literary friends. There were about 40 persons present, all of whom were writers and publishers. Our friend, Mr. Alden, the editor of Harper's, was there, and of course we enjoyed his society very much. Letter 72 to Charles Dudley Warner Brewster, Massachusetts, September 3, 1896. I have been meaning to write to you all summer. There were many things I wanted to tell you, and I thought perhaps you would like to hear about our vacation by the seaside and our plans for next year. But the happy, idle day slipped away so quickly, and there were so many pleasant things to do every moment that I never found time to clothe my thoughts in words and send them to you. I wonder what becomes of lost opportunities. Perhaps our guardian angel gathers them up as we drop them and will give them back to us in the beautiful sometime when we have grown wiser and learned how to use them rightly. But however this may be, I cannot now write the letter which has lain in my thought for you so long. My heart is too full of sadness to dwell upon the happiness the summer has brought me. My father is dead. He died last Saturday at my home in Tuscumbia, and I was not there. My own dear loving father. Oh, dear friend, how shall I ever bear it? On the 1st of October, Miss Keller entered the Cambridge School for Young Ladies, of which Mr. Arthur Gilman is principal. The examinations mentioned in this letter were merely tests given in the school, but as they were old Harvard papers, it is evident that in some subjects Miss Keller was already fairly well prepared for Radcliffe. Letter 73 to Mrs. Lawrence Hutton, 37 Concord Avenue, Cambridge, Massachusetts, October 8, 1896. I got up early this morning so that I could write you a few lines. I know you want to hear how I like my school. I do wish you could come and see for yourself what a beautiful school it is. There are about a hundred girls, and they are all so bright and happy. It is a joy to be with them. You will be glad to hear that I pass my examination successfully. I have been examined in English, German, French, and Greek and Roman history. They were the entrance examinations for Harvard College, so I feel pleased to think I could pass them. This year is going to be a very busy one for teacher and myself. I am studying arithmetic, English literature, English history, German, Latin, and advanced geography. There is a great deal of preparatory reading required, 
And as few of the books are in Ray's print, poor teacher has to spell them all out to me, and that means hard work. You must tell Mr. Howells when you see him that we are living in his house. End of section 9